All right, guys, what up? Uh, welcome to the next episode of the Cymatic Show. I'm very excited because we have What's So Not in the Building. How's it going, man? I'm good, dude. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm pumped. Like I said, I think this is going to be one of the best episodes. Uh, I, I just guessing off of our little brunch interaction, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I was actually trying not to talk to you at brunch because I'm like, okay, he's talking about cool shit here. Surfing, sharks, touring cities, you know, so. Kind of myself. Yeah, but um, yeah, guys, for those of you guys who don't know, which the very few of you out there who don't know uh, what's on his project, he's uh, somebody who's last year, you said you toured, you played 150 shows in 42 cities. 42 countries. 42 countries, yeah. I mean, that's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Um, you know, you've had the project since 2010, been crushing it, collabs with everybody from Skrillex, Arl Grime, Slumberjack, Toto, uh, Daniel Johns, San Holo, um, playing festivals like EDC Vegas, Coachella um Lollapalooza so I mean pretty much you know a lot of you guys are out there trying to do the whole touring thing and this is like probably the one podcast that you should religiously listen to because he's been there done that and has been not only doing it but dominating the space yeah all right thank you yeah, yeah you don't have to <laughs> I'll take all of that I've been trying to do better intros because I realized that like so for example there's a lot of like hip-hop guys that watch or maybe like yeah. you know some random genres who might not know and I'm like you know, if they're listening to a conversation, they're probably like halfway into it. Like, wait, who is this guy? So I like yeah. to try and give. No, that's great. I, I love intros. like how you're talking about touring as well. Cause it goes through so many waves across your career. Like you'll have like even the basics of, of it, you'll have like a, an album year and then you'll have a not album year. And then one's on cycle, one's off cycle. And then you like have to play differently Oh, when you're on and off cycle. Like you're coming out and you're representing uh, a certain piece of art that you've created and then once you come towards the end of that cycle, it's like, okay, cool. Well, everyone's not like right into this right now. I need to be more into uh, some new kids that are coming up that are putting stuff out this year. I need to be more into the way sounds developing this year, whether like, you know, prime example, like Afrobeat or reggaeton's coming in. It's like, oh, cool. I'm going to start infusing that a bit into my sets. Mm. And it's like, this isn't my time. This is like the time of the world's music. And I want to understand where that's at and start putting that into my sets and like, start seeing where I want to go next for my next art project. Do you say you, you learn a lot about where you're going to take your project or maybe in, get inspiration during that period of off, like not your album year? 100%. Yeah. The album year is like you build everything for, I mean, my album I was building for like four years in the background, but then I really took some time off to like get into the, you know, mm -hmm. sink my teeth into it. And it was, it's not just music either. It's like you got to build a stage concept. You've got to have, um, you know, a good team of people helping you build your lights, your video, show visuals, all of that. And then you've got to decide how that all ties together. Like you can't just like, hey, dude, who does visuals, make me some visuals for some songs. Like it's got to be like, this the is concept. the vision, this is the idea, this is the yeah. narrative behind it. This is how it all ties into this song and this song. And then even structure your set based on like the progression of how you want the mood and the feeling of everything to travel. Yeah, no, that's super, super interesting. It, it's that I think that's why, like, I've seen certain artists, for example, that I'm really big fans of, mm. but I'll see them at like a festival, and I, I don't feel like I'm getting their product as much as like, well, for example, they're doing like an album tour, like their mm. tour where they bring all their set up and have it planned. It's just a completely different experience. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not copying this whole interview. Dude, everybody's sick, man. Yeah, Busy right. Works Beats episode. I was sick as fuck. So I'd never get sick. <laughs> and there's this, there's this like 
blue thing which has been sweeping across America. That's crazy that you said up in Canada too. Yeah, people, I've had friends from like East Canada, East Coast America, West Coast America, Middle America. Everyone got the same cough. Yeah, it dude, it, it it swung through the office, and we we're making <laughs> jokes about it. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> what the fuck was the question? Uh, uh, it's been something about. Uh, it was something about the f- oh yes festivals compared to oh yeah 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 no that's totally right because like you got to think about when when you do your own show it's all at your own device how you set it up uh, to some degree how long your set is what time you start who's on the lineup what the what the feeling is what the mood is you know you can really curate the whole thing to a great degree um, and you have a lot more ability like usually you're in a bus with a truck and trailers and you're carrying all your own production you can build everything um you know however much budget you have to do so and your stage can really be your own world um when you're at a festival you're really at the mercy of whatever else was booked whether you are higher up on the rankings of headliners or lower down as to how much you can say mm-hmm. you want to do and how much the festival will let you do and then of course also like these multi-genre festivals, you're competing against people doing completely different music. And particularly if you end up on a main stage, there might be like Travis Scott, Rico Nasty, someone like me, someone like R.O. Grime, um, and then someone like Anderson Pack or like Scissor. And it's just totally different styles of music. So you have to appropriate your set in a way that hopefully you can grab some people that weren't familiar with you and pull them in. Hopefully there's not like the front six rows of like bass nectar fans. Like I'm only here for bass nectar, like just <laughs> arms crossed until he starts, you know, there's all kinds of things you have to deal with. And you have to really just like look at your crowd, look at your audience and kind of just like tease in a few different parts of different songs and see what's getting people reacting. See whether they're like, Oh wow. They're really into this like SoundCloud rap. I'm going to like play a few edits. I know I've got in the bag of this or, Oh wow. They're really into this rhythm. And particularly when you go over to Europe and, and countries that are non-English first speaking, um, you you have to find a common ground that isn't language because you can't just play a big hit song because they might just not know the lyrics and then it has absolutely no impact on them, you know? Yeah. So then it's got to be about rhythm and it's got to be about energy and it's got to be about uh, what type of records you're, you're playing and how they're vibrating people and how they're pushing people to dance and move. No, that's awesome. Have yeah. you? Do you often have to pivot on stage to where like you're going? Like one set you play in another city might be crushing. You're like, wait a minute, these people are like. Oh, com- totally. Like every city is different. Even in America, like I remember a, one standout moment, like right on this topic, is I did this back to back after a Maddie's and Block Party, and it was mm-hmm. me, Diplo, and Aro Grime, and it was in San Francisco, and Wes was playing all of these like older rap songs, and I'd literally never heard. Any of the songs in my entire life, I didn't know any of the lyrics. I didn't know any of the artists. And every single person in that room was chanting every single word to every song. And I was just like, damn, there's just this whole culture that exists in this city that I was never privy to growing up where I grew up. Like, Uh I just never even heard these songs ever. And every single kid grew up on this. And it's like that in every city, in every country. Every city has its own little thing. Yeah. I was bringing it up with certain artists who are playing here about the Atlanta ATL ho chance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's funny. Because, like, yeah, because <laughs> it's only here. Like, it doesn't matter if you're at a chill concert or what. Just out of nowhere. Just ATL ho. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Everybody's getting hyped up. You'll probably get that tonight, man, for sure. Dope. Um, thanks, Atlanta. I love you. Th- yeah, thanks, Atlanta. <laughs> I, I, uh, I've, I haven't been to that new venue, but I'm actually kind of interested. 
to see yeah, how you it coming plays. tonight? Uh, I might. You come tonight. Is it? Should I come tonight? Yes. Yeah, I'll come check it out, dude. I'm kind of like an old. Up. I'm kind of like an old man, you know. Like go to sleep at like nine, wake None up. None of us at are old. Old, old is a frame of mind, you know. I'm. I got an old frame of mind. I'm an old man frame of mind. I just wake up super early. I heard you talk about that. You don't have old. You're like, look at this new way of doing this and this and this and oh, I've just thought of this idea. You are on the tip. You are not old. Uh, all right. We are young. Appreciate uh, that. We gotta get you on that text message game though. That's gonna yeah, be hot. Let's do it. Son's doing some cool shit. Text message. You see what they did with that billboard? No. Oh, you didn't that. see that, Nobody dude? Did. He did like a billboard. Yeah, Booty yeah. Booty was actually one of the first people to kind of put me like t- like one of the original inspirations for like the texting idea. Then mm. I just kept hearing about like another thing. I was like, oh, this texting is really starting to pick up. But uh, yeah, they did a Lost Lately uh, billboard where for Son, it was like, find Son, Texas if you've seen Son or something like that. But a f- they collected a fuck ton of phone numbers, right? Interesting. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do text for free pack. <laughs> you know how many people? Oh, wow. Because it's easier for the influencers instead of saying Lincoln bio, blah, blah, like, hey, we have a secret pack coming out. Text for whatever. You might say, like, I got a, I got a, a couple songs I've been saving up. They're actually unreleased. But if you guys want to hear them, text this number. I, I know so it. many people are like, where is this Lincoln bio? They didn't even know what it is. They're yeah. They like, I always see this thing. What is it? I actually want to plus, check the link this yeah. time. And plus, if you, like, evoke it in a certain way, like <laughs> – like, especially for you, like, people, like, opting into, like, unreleased songs and stuff. Yeah, feel free to grab some water. We got the waters on deck. Cough Is drops. America flu. <laughs> America flu taking you down. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that text thing is definitely uh, uh, something that's really going to be popping, I think. Especially because, like, dude. Fa- okay, so you did you deal with the Facebook fan page death bad? Like, how was your transition? Because, okay, so SoundCloud, you remember SoundCloud when it's – Popping, doing great, and then slowly starts declining a bit. Same thing for yeah, Facebook. They all, they all go through waves. Um, and I mean, SoundCloud was kind of like, I mean, you know the backstory of that, right? How it was like bombed out. No, I don't. I just know it fucking. I don't know how much I should go into it, but it was it was something like, it was a place that certain labels didn't like because it was, it had a lot of attention, it had a lot of power, and you couldn't make money off it. So. People didn't want that to keep being the thing. They wanted to find something that made money for everyone. So, so they started attacking other it? streaming platforms. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying they got attacked. Some shit went down. Some shit went down. Some he knows some down. shit. He knows some shit. He's, he's scared because all of a sudden, what's so not, Spotify, SoundCloud just goes down. We're like, what happened? Did he say something? All your socials go down. The Warner took you down on there's the back sh- end. There's always <laughs> crazy shit going yeah always i'm sure man yeah that 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 i mean dude i, I was telling drew i was like you know when uh, soundcloud was about to go out of business and then they had like raise around or do all that shit uh i was like dude i'd much rather relax and like have just a healthy like smaller business because we're not like a soundcloud or nothing you know but like to deal with that amount of stress you know what i'm saying waking up like dude all these people and i was just like i would not want to deal with that yeah you know um dope well dude you want to uh maybe get back into i I think getting into some of the roots man because Mm -hmm. you know you got started uh picking a lot of steam i think your 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 project has evolved a lot like it's it's not a project that sounds the same as it you know as it evolved you know because you've gone through a lot of different sounds you want to talk about kind of like the starting of what's or not and yeah maybe some key stuff along the way and how you got to this point so at first it was kind of like to start with this so i was djing in australia from like 2000 2007 and the scene there was amazing 
we had bands like Midnight Juggernauts, Cut Copy, Vanshee, this thing called Ro Modular Records, Claxons were huge, Justice just kicked off, um, Gossip, Mastercraft, Block Party, all of that stuff was really big in Australia. Like A-Track and Diplo were pretty big there. Um, and then even like Bondu Roll. It was just this mesh of like French Electro, Ballet Funk, Jersey Club, and like American sort of uh, Philly Club and, and Baltimore and stuff like that. Uh, and then the Australian kind of like synth pop band sound. All just mashed together. Yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of like the uh, Australian Oh, and type. I can't forget the German guys. Uh, there was like D.I.M., Boys Noise. Uh, actually, Boys Noise put out the Oi 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 record, I think, just before I started DJing. And that was such a pinnacle. Like, he did like techno, very noisy, like the French guys. Uh -huh. um, in, in like, from my understanding, one of the first people to do it like that. It was, it was really wild. And it was this whole new energy. It was like this punk rock energy in music. And it was like, I was a rock guy. I was like playing in bands and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really like dance music at all. And then I heard all this stuff and I was like, whoa, this is everything I love about rock, but taken to this sonic space that I didn't even know existed. Um, and I got started in the scene when that was all happening. And it was like such a beautiful time for music. And then maybe three, two or three years later, it kind of all tapered off. Disco House kind of came up. Uh, uh, what was that? Dutch House came in. And then everything kind of went like mainstream, big room electro. Um, and I wasn't that into that. And was just really searching for something new. Mm -hmm. And I got tired of searching. I was like, I'm just going to make it. I can hear these ideas. I, I know what I like. Um, and then I started working with Harley and he produced. And then, and then I was like just starting doing bootlegs, edits, things like that. And then we got together and we just started working every probably like two or three days a week. Did you guys just happen to live near each other? Or? Yeah, you live like three suburbs away. And, oh. and like, I was one of the few DJs in the whole, like, area where we lived because people didn't DJ back then. It was, like, just after CDJs came in, like, so... Because you couldn't afford to DJ unless you were, like, older uh -huh. because you had to buy the record, the vinyl. Oh, you had to buy all you of them. You had to buy the vinyl to be able to go and play it at a club. So you, unless you were older and had money... Oh, I heard people used to have, like crates they would bring to like a, yeah. an event so like you couldn't DJ if you were a kid because you didn't have like thousands of dollars to go and buy a single song for like uh -huh. 20 bucks so you could play it at a show yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. so as soon as CDJs came in it started to change more people started being able to DJ um, <clears throat> and then yeah the whole idea was like this sort of tribally influenced um, more organic sounds bent vocals um, and then like these wonky synths that was the idea uh, and it started out, what's in it was actually kind of more like house music based, mm -hmm. like wonky house. And then it went into more electronica and then uh, had more of a trap influence and future bass. Um, and all the influences were like <coughs> Hudson Mohawk, Rusty, Flying Lotus, Chrome Sparks, like really early hero bust. Um, Sam, was he pumping music that way back then? I yeah, didn't even know had, about him until later. Dude, he had this song called Snailgate. Have you ever heard Snailgate? Nuh -uh. Oh my god! All the stuff he was doing back then was so crazy. Really? I got I got I got to check it out. Yeah, oh. and it was dope. It was like you just listen to shit. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, this is so cool. It's so exciting. I'm gonna make something that's sort of like that, but then sort of like this other thing, and sort of like this thing, and then you put it on SoundCloud like a week later, and then you get all these comments from other artists like, oh, this is dope. Then you go and check their stuff. And you're like, oh, they're doing this thing. This is tight. And it was like this this big community of just everyone like bigging each other up, 
everyone egging each other on to do something more interesting, more daring, more challenging. Um, and I think that is, <coughs> I think that's one of the sad things about the moment is it's that, that freedom has been taken away. Everything needs to be planned much further ahead. Like if you want to get your record, how do I put this? If you want to get your record prioritized, uh -huh. you have to have like a, a two month advance notice of when you're submitting it. It's not this like instant just up and then it's out. SoundCloud is not the same place it used to be. No. Even, I felt like the first downfall is when they actually changed the mobile app. Do you remember when there was still comments and stuff and it still felt like you were like... Yeah. And then they changed that and it kind of felt like a different app. And then that's I think, when I, I, think I was almost out of it before then. Like we, we saw what was going to happen uh -huh. and we were like trying to shift to other, other things. Um, but yeah. It, dude, I used to love SoundCloud. It was dope. It was yeah. interactive. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. What was the first song that you would say like really put you on the map? So... We did the first What's Her Not EP, um, and we got like mad feedback from Switch, who used to be part of Major Laser, from... What was the one with the duck scent? I forget the name. That the Quack. Yeah, dude. That, that, I feel like that, for me, that was like the first one. I was like, oh, shit, what is this sound? I remember yeah. me, me and Drew just sitting there in massive, like, okay, how do we get it? That was kind of the thing. We did this first EP, and like, it was like, yeah, Switch, Boys Noise, Sindon, a bunch of all these other really amazing producers that I loved at that time. Um, or gave it mad feedback and then got no shows. Like, didn't get any bookings. And I was like, damn, how do you do this music thing? Like, mm -hmm. we, we spent all this time like putting this thing together. It's this whole new sound. All the cool dudes seem to love it, but this isn't converting into anything. Like, a career. how do we do this? And then, luckily from that music, we got offered to do this remix for this group called Banshee, which is a really big band in Australia. And then that became like, an anthem that everyone's playing in the clubs. It was like a, a cool, interesting house version of a band song that was really popular on the radio over there. And I was like, oh, you got to like remix an act that everybody already knows, but just with your sound. Uh -huh. And then that helps you get eyes on everything that you are doing. And then the next thing, um, we just bootlegged a Major Laser track and then ended up getting in touch with Major Laser's manager and they wanted to officially release it on vinyl. Um, and then that got played on the radio a bunch in Australia as well. And then everything just started to really just go. keep keep picking up momentum. Yeah, and then we just started to put out originals, and then people were already paying attention. And then, yeah, and yeah, that's, no, that's, that's awesome. Kind of man. Yeah, you guys picked up some crazy <coughs> crazy speed, and I felt like honestly, I'm even impressed that you've you've kept it till this point because a lot of people like dropped off. I swear, like the yeah. like there was that period of like the the 2012, 11, 13 era where a lot of people were blown up and then like there was this new wave that kind of came in, mm. you know what I'm saying? And I felt like not everybody made it through that because there's yeah. a lot of artists I look back on. Sometimes I go to their Instagram. I'm like, dude, what happened to this guy? This person yeah. was huge, you know? Yeah. Like back in the day. Yeah. I think, I mean, I know personally I made a lot of choices myself. You could sort of see the writing on the wall of where it was going. And if people, you know, a lot of people get into this industry and they indulge, they, they lavish in the superficial and the, the success. And it's like, if you do that, Everything can just bottom out underneath you and you won't even know it's coming. Hmm. So I like went through periods like I didn't drink for three years. Every time everyone was hanging out and partying, I'm like there with my laptop, just like straight up producing, just finishing edits, doing working for other people, working for myself, working on what's or not, whatever it might be. Just like, you know, getting my like ten thousand hours in, just there's one point in my career where I stopped using any plugins except for like silence and simplant and I was just using Ableton stock and being like, Okay, how can you use the delay in an interesting way? How, how, how 
far can you push the saturation? What does every little component of this device do? Like just going back to the very fundamentals mm -hmm. and really like honing my knowledge of how they all work. Um, and as well as that, like you could see people make clear choices of simple things like people would bring a photographer on tour with them so that they looked good on the internet. If you have your own photographer, you can curate moments. You can be like, oh, I'm going to play this one song and then I'm going to tell everyone to throw their arms up and just get the photo then, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of that, I got one guy that traveled with me who ran my lights and video. Because I was like, rather than just trying to look good online, I'm going to make sure my show looks good the whole show. Mm. So people come to the show and they're in this what's or not world. They're experiencing it the whole show and it feels different. People remember that shit. Like if you go if you go to a show, you know, and you had a good experience. A lot of times, a friend will bring another friend who has no fucking idea who who you are. Like, hey, I'm going to this what's on not show. I'm going to this show. You should come with me. And all of a sudden, they don't even know. Like they don't even know any of the music or anything. But they have such a good time at that event. They yeah. then go look you up, go find the shit. Yeah, and I think that's very smart. You know, there's also other points where I was like, everyone was playing the same sets. Everyone was playing the same big hits, and I was like. I'm just going to play my music. Um, I'm just going to build music that I really love, that I know will work at the shows. And I'm just going to play that. And it's might not like be as constantly hyped with like the cliche kind of moments as yeah. everybody else, but it's going to feel different. And I think that's going to hold more with people than it being very interchangeable. Because it kind of got to the point where you could put any DJ in the scene up and they're kind of playing the same set. Dude, to, we saw that at Tomorrow World 20, uh, 2012 mm. when it first came to Georgia. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, you went there. I can't tell you how many times I heard Animals. Every single stage. It doesn't matter who I was listening <laughs> to. Animals would play. And I mean, I'm like, okay. And then like the next year we came, I think it was Tremor. But I'm like, what's the next song? Because we hear the same shit everywhere. Remember when yeah. everybody was playing uh, the fucking the DJ Snake Bird? That was it, the Bird song? So it was one Burr year. Machine. Bird Machine. You just heard Bird Machine everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like stuff like that, which, you know, I don't think there's anything problem making those records. But then, yeah, you're right, standing out, like playing your own mm -hmm. sets and stuff. I, I definitely think it's huge. But then I had to go through other phases as well. Like that worked for me when, you know, bass music and future bass was really at the, the foreground of like popular music, mm -hmm. at least in the underground scene. And then when you go through a phase like, <coughs> no, it's cool, man. I, like you know, what's funny is that I was I literally was dying last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, it's and, like, and yeah. luckily I, that's why I let the other person talk. I'm like, all right, I get to sit back here. Um, so, you know, the last few years have been more of a phase where like rap music has really come to the foreground again, and particular SoundCloud rap. Dude, yes. And, and it's kind of I, you know, I did a song with Diablo, <coughs> and he he kind of told me the history of like how that came up. And when he was explaining it to me, I was like, oh, yeah, this is totally how it happens. It's like a bunch of kids, like, because this happened to us in Australia. There's a bunch of kids all around the country who started creating this sound that was a little bit influenced of this, a little bit like that, but kind of not done yet, right? Uh -huh. And then you all feed off each other. You all push each other to, like, do it in a more interesting way. And then suddenly that's all they play in clubs. Suddenly that's all anyone's paying attention to. Suddenly that ends up on the radio. And then suddenly you're touring overseas with it. And that's kind of what happened, you know, with the SoundCloud rap. Yeah, well, it's like there are all these kids in, like, uh, Florida just making this, like, in-your-face, distorted punk rock kind of version of, like, 
you know, rap music with these simple lyrics that were easy to like catch Some of the beats to. are simple too. Yeah. They're not always the best sounding stuff or like <laughs> at all. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like sometimes they like that grimy distortion that, that sometimes I feel like EDM guys are too perfect. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. With the, with their production and all that. Sometimes rappers are like, fuck it, I'm going to throw up some shit. I love that. Do you even see it with their content, by the way? What they post? Like rappers yeah. do not give a fuck. Oh, dude. And that's the other thing is like, man, they're going all in. They're living it. They've got covered in tattoos. They're bright. They're colorful. They're loud. They're funny. I mean, a lot of people that are really good on Twitter are also good rappers because it's just about these quick, snappy little remarks, you know, that are like super heady and super on with whatever. Also like them. raw personality kind of just yeah. kicking through, like not holding back. And it went from like, you know, it went from like the nerdy kid in their bedroom being a, becoming a superstar, which was like the phase, yeah. to like these crazy wild kids. Wild. Like covered in tats, covered in color, whatever, like anime characters. Are you getting face tats? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. For real, you I got might, you, you know? got the you got the crazy hair going on a little bit. Yeah. What what's your don't you dye your hair a lot? Yeah. What's like the what's the current what's the color and color looking like? Faded you know? peach. Faded peach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Dude, uh, hip hop is exploding our business right now. Really? Because we we did a pretty good job, like religiously, like building products for EDM, building a community. Mm-hmm. Um. And then like you know we kind of start seeing this hip hop thing blowing up and Drew's roots actually before his EDM stuff he was a beat producer for years yeah and then he I, then I got him into more of the EDM stuff and um, honestly listened to a lot of stuff like you guys' music we started making a bunch of that type of shit and nice. we're like okay cool we're gonna be these touring guys you know yeah we you know and made music for years but then like now we've been diving back into it just because it's so popping right now but mm. I think it's just in a really interesting space but like it's crazy because I hit up people in EDM and a lot of people are like oh yeah I use guys stuff or whatever and we you know link up pretty easy. Hip hop, dude. Hip hop guys are so big they don't even know fucking what EDM is. Sometimes, <laughs> like you guys, a big rapper, like what dubstep is. He's like, what the fuck is that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like, it, it's just crazy because all EDM guys still know Drake and obviously all those people. Yeah. But like the world, the size we're starting to realize how big it is is insane. Yeah, you know, and and it's just exploding our business right now with beat producers and stuff. And they think way differently than EDM guys, which yeah. is interesting. Because I come from a background of people like. Like even like uh, something as simple as like melody loops, EDM. They obviously want to more curate their own types of sounds and stuff. But hip hop people are looking for loops and stuff to use, and it's just different. Like you know, different yeah. cultures. Well, it's uh, I mean, typically rap beats is so much simpler. It's like rap music came from usually sampling an old record mm-hmm. and then flipping the drums and putting this bop on it that people could rap to. Yeah, and it was loop based. And I suppose house music to some degree is loop based as well. Um, but then once people started like creating more cinematic music and orchestrating all their own melodies and everything, it got a little more dense and complex. Um, I mean, you think about acts like Anderson Pack with the Free Nationals and stuff like that, though, it's all like beautifully orchestrated music yeah. and, and a lot more detailed. For sure. Yeah. Um, so actually, going into it, I think something that you have a crazy catalog of collabs. I mean, you're like Collab City. Yeah. In terms of who you got in the studio with. I mean, yeah. everybody's Skrillex, Arl Grimes, Han Holo, and all that stuff. You want to talk a little bit about maybe some collabs or, or studio sessions that really like, damn, this guy's good or this girl's amazing or, or whatever it may be. That kind of changed the way you thought about production. Yeah. And then and I got a couple other questions I want to kind of dive deeper into that. Totally. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, I just love working with people, particularly people who like have a great energy to them, you know, like, and even if they don't, I would rarely turn down a session with someone if I have the time. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, yeah, cool, let's get in. Let's see what happens. Like, you work with these people sometimes, nothing to do with what you're doing. You don't even know their 
project or anything and you get in and you're like, oh wow, I just understand so much about my, my life, my work, my career from this conversation with you about how you're looking at your particular project, how you're looking at approaching this sound design, how you're looking at you know any aspect of music or art. Mm. Um, and I think you really get that when you work with other people. And it's something you can't get when you sit at home by yourself, unless you're just trolling through like YouTube tutorials on how to make this particular sound or whatever. But I don't think it's really about that. I think, it, I think it's more about like connecting with other people. I mean, music is something to be shared. Music is something to create together. Um, I, I mean, I started in rock bands and it was always like jamming with your friends. Mm-hmm. You get, you might not even be motivated to like get up out of bed, be like, oh, all my friends are coming over. Like we're going to have a jam. It's going to be fun. Let's get up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like motivation. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and often when you're producing, I'm sure plenty of people get this. You hit brick walls. You like, you make something you're like, oh, I'm on such a vibe right here. This is great. I love this. And then it just stops. And if you just happen to have someone in the room, even if they're like, dude, even if they're a photographer, even if they're whatever, they might just say, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, what about this? Like kind of throw something like this on you're like oh shit yeah dude i do that with my employees all the time right because like dude I, I sometimes i get bored if i'm just sitting there by myself like to make yeah. it so but if i because you know because you see the reaction so for somebody who's not that good at music or, or maybe doesn't know production or anything mm. they see you do something they're like whoa yeah. you know like the second you put some drums on a melody or something they're like damn like they see it coming together and sometimes their excitement feeds me i'm like okay exactly. yeah let me keep going here show you some cool stuff and I think music's all about energy man yeah and that's why i like working with people because like you just come up with something you would have never done yourself. And then you carry that with you forever. And then you know how to do that again. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, 100%. And by, by working with all these different people, you just start to, like, I spent uh, a month last year just traveling around Europe, like, kind of backpacking, staying on couches, crashing with people, just working in their studios. I worked with um, Signal, Noisier, Petit Biscuit, um, Sun Hollow, Jammer from the UK. Um, uh, my buddy AA, um, yeah, and like, just all different walks of life, different country. Oh, and Losco, Andy, Explored, you know him? From, nah. From Belgium. I'm sure all these sessions are completely different too. Yeah, they are. They're all so different. Yeah. And they all come out different, and like, you just gain so much understanding. Like, I remember, particularly with the noisy guys, I went in their studio for the first time. You heard about their studios that they built, right? Uh. Uh-uh. So. Okay, if my memory serves me correct, there was this this Belgium um, guy that worked for the government in sound acoustics. So when they built a huge bridge or something, he would work out the best way to construct it and the sound you would get from cars reaching out into different valleys and, oh. and like affecting nearby neighborhoods, nature, whatever it might be. I never even thought about that. That's an okay, important so factor. So he's like a very high level sort of dude. And as a passion project, he agreed to build Noisier these studios. And he built these incredible three studios, sort of one facing here, one facing here, and one facing here in this um, warehouse complex. And I remember walking into the room in one of the studios and just putting on a record and being the first time like, oh, this is what music truly sounds like. It was probably dead when you walked in, right? Yeah, it's like... like It was the first time I was, I was like, I'm hearing music in its purest form for the first time ever. And ever since I went in and heard it in that room with everything just so perfectly flat and clear, I've been able to like 
do everything so much better. Like I'm just wearing my HD25 headphones and I know exactly what to push, what not to push, where, where's bursting, where isn't. Because of that one time I Dude, went that there. sounds like an enlightenment moment. Any yeah, producer you know? walks in this room is instantly like enlightened to the next level. I just <laughs> walked in that room and I'm like, oh shit, I know true zero for mm-hmm. the first time. That's some crazy shit. Yeah. Um, and even like how they would talk about music, like Ties in particular, like I'm really excited about Simplant and I'm like, he didn't have it and I was talking to him about it and I, I still really love it. But he was like, you know, for me, he's like, I like to build my sounds and know exactly what I'm putting into it. Whereas this is interesting randomness, you know? Mm. So like, he's like, I love that maybe as one element. And I've sort of taken that on board as well as like using that as one particular element that has a lot of randomness to it, but then everything else is quite pure and curated. And what that does, it allows for loudness and it allows for you to really bring everything up without everything starting to, the Mm -hmm. fringes of it clashing with each other and overlapping and (coughs) and cluttering too much. Yeah, I uh, see. I think I even lean more on the randomness side because lots of the stuff I do, mm-hmm. I take an acapella and I slice it up, and essentially, I'm not like thinking of a melody in my head. I'm just looking. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, let me keep trying out new stuff. Trying, to, oh, okay, cool. That's you know, yeah. it's more random, like generating almost. You know, I mean, I even think about creativity as like it's not even us doing it. Like, really, all we do is tr- as musicians and as artists is try and get our mind into a space where everything freely flows it just flows straight through us it's like jazz musicians talk about being in the pocket you know they're just playing they've never done that before they've never done that riff and then suddenly they just do this thing and they're like oh my god that was so beautiful you know and i feel like that's what we do we just try and open this channel to like another realm and it just flows out it's like i don't traditionally play keys i played drums when i was younger and then i'll be on a synth and i'm like playing this melody i'm like i literally don't know how to play this melody yeah. And I just played this melody like that can't have been for me. You know, it's just like flowing through me because I managed to get myself in that perfect state where I'm just on this wave and it's just going and going and going. And I, I call it like flying. Like you're in the session and you're just flying. Like everything you're doing just seems to be perfect. You're just so excited and that's feeding on top of itself and it just grows in this big ball of energy. And then suddenly yeah. you get to the end and you're like, wow, I just did like... <coughs> I just did pretty much this whole track in this one moment and it's so close to perfect. Like I barely have to do anything else to it. Dude, flow states are kind of a crazy thing because they happen in a lot more than just music too. Like athletes go through like flow state, uh, gamers, especially like those high pressure, like game tournaments for like a hundred grand and they're sitting there like they they get in these like states and musicians is definitely like that to where your flow state, you're almost like 10 times more effective, you know? Yeah. And, and I try not to, it almost is like momentum a little bit. You ever get, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten in ruts with your music project and stuff, or even with cymatics, like, you know, we've been, we'll hit walls for like a year and a half where we just like, Damn. nothing's working, but we're just grinding, you know, <laughs> like slamming our face. Cause there was just point, we're trying a lot of new shit, you know? Yeah. And then recently we just had bumped into the right people and just caught this momentum. And now I'm like, we learned our lesson. We're like, let's not drop it. Amazing. Like keep this thing. We're in like a flow state right now. You know, I'm sure you've had though your project where it's like, I've actually been really lucky um, and one thing I'll just mention before I get onto that is one of the people I always found it really funny, Mr. Carmack. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he just wouldn't rock up to stuff, and like, but then he would like rock up in the last moment and just fucking kill it. And I remember he said he was like, "Yeah, man, don't do it unless you're feeling it. If you're not feeling it, it's not going to be any good. Just get yourself into the headspace so that you are feeling it, 
and then everything you do will be magic. I love that. And I was like, you're totally right. Like, you don't need to sit there for three, day, three days and try and produce. Go and do something fun and exciting with your friends. Go and, like, see some really crazy movie. Go and, like, look up some things on Pinterest that are inspiring you visually. And then come back and sit down. And you'll make something amazing. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's awesome. I think it's also because it's a marathon. <coughs> it's not a sprint. You're not, yeah. like... Like, if you're trying to do this, like, as a career for, like, years and years and years to come, it's not about getting big tomorrow. And I think so many newer producers, first off, you were talking about 10,000 hours, aren't even putting near that and expecting to go tour tomorrow. Yeah. Or, or expect their hit to take off. I'm like, bro. Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? You haven't even figured out mixing it. Like, take a step back, yeah. put in the effort, and then try and, like, make moves with it, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, particularly when I talk about that thing Carmack was saying, we were talking about this in the car just before. You have to put in the hours so that you have the expertise within you to then afford to take those days to inspire yourself. So you need the knowledge. You need the technical ability within you and at your grasp. And that's like just looking things up, working with other people, mm -hmm. learning how to do all these different things. And then um, once you have that in you, then you can be like, all right, now I just need to get in my zone, right? I'm going to go and do this stuff that I know makes me happy. Like, and I've been very lucky. I don't really think I've ever had a, a rut where I've been creative blocked. Really? Ever. Um, maybe only, maybe only in the very early stages of my career where I didn't quite understand it. Like the first like year or something. Mm -hmm. But I realized early on, like, there's a lot of things you have to do for your mind and your body that stop that from ever happening. It's, it's all up to you. It's, it's all within, you know, it's, it's like, um, you just have to get yourself into a space where it just happens. And then you just need to work out how to get yourself there as fast as possible each day. And then you'll have super productive days. Dude, this is, this is making me think about a lot of shit differently. I'm like, damn, I'm like, that needs some more <laughs> self-awareness. No, this is fucking awesome, like, man. Like when I did my album, I'd already got myself to a point, technical ability, creativity, understanding of myself. But I knew I still had a lot. And we always have so much more we can do. Like, so mm -hmm. much more. And there's always so many things I want to improve. I know where I have really great strengths, and I know where I have really big weaknesses. And so I like to try and um, accentuate my strengths in my work, but then in the background, be working on those weaknesses so that they can all start to feed each other. Mm -hmm. and, like... When I did my album, I kind of like locked myself in a basement for like six months of that year. And I only ate 10 different types of foods. And I would exercise every morning. I would eat one meal. I would work for seven or eight hours. I would eat one very quick meal. And I worked for another six, seven hours. So I was pulling like anywhere from like 11... <coughs> to edit out all my coughing oh my god i'm sorry guys no it's all good there's gonna be a there's gonna be a there's gonna be a drinking like, game yeah look i got this this cough it's almost gone but then when you're talking straight for like oh dude hour, it's, just... it's hard podcasting's <laughs> hard like you, not many people sit down for an hour hour and a half and talk you know what i'm saying and also uh what is it uh yeah people don't expect how hard it is to like keep going you know i'm fine with the talking we, it's all it's all good we have a uh they'll running. do funny sh one time drew burped throughout the whole podcast because his ass drank like three beers <laughs> and the whole podcast he just has to take these breaks to burp and it's just me and him like three people you can kind of offload but hey real quick i don't usually do this jordan 
Yeah, we're still recording, right? He he's spitting so much gold. I would just cry if we lost it. So I'm just gonna do a, a midway recording check because guys, I think this episode is that awesome. I'm like, I would I would be. We're good, right? All right. Motherfucker. Yeah, because I'm like, dude, I like this. So um, dude, you're you know, I don't think you're who I thought you were. All right. You know that? Okay. Cause I don't know, man. Just if you look at your shows a little bit, you're I would say. Definitely, even just the way you dress, your music sounded crazy, you're going all over the place. You would think you're a little more like wild, might go party, go do some oh, shit. I'm wild. <laughs> but I'm like, I've learned how to be wild. But you, you, know? you I mean, from what my take is, you, you sound pretty disciplined. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and I think that's. You can be both. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that the discipline and I would say like commitment to the craft is what got you to this point, you know? Yeah. I just. I, I wasn't even sure, you know, because you just have like all the, I mean, collabs all across the board, all this stuff. And I'm like, damn, this guy's fucking <coughs> really going in to make this happen. And now, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because I think the level of commitment is like 10x the average producer, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's usually not luck. That's what I realized. As I meet more and more people, it's always <laughs> like, okay. There's no, there's no luck. Yeah. It's like even if you're like lucky a couple of times, it's just going to fall <coughs> down on you later on. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, shit, man. I feel like, uh, I like going into a lot of this, uh, production stuff. Let's see what we got here. Oh, um, so, uh, craziest. So you've, you've toured probably more than anybody, anybody, anybody I've talked to maybe, probably more than Sonny. No, you know more than Steve Aoki. He's probably toured. Steve Aoki tours the most out of anyone ever. I think that's crazy though, man. Yeah. Like, can, can you, do you think it's hard? Because I look at the tour life. Yes, it's hard. And it's fucking... everybody I talk to in the music industry, it doesn't sound as glamorous as what people see on Instagram. It sounds like very, like difficult. Like, like you're, you're hustling, you're working out your lack of sleep and stuff. Okay. You... So let me, let me run you through a few scenarios. So, uh, when I did Lollapalooza America, in Chicago last year, I did five days straight with seven shows or maybe eight shows, and I had ten hours sleep in a bed total for those five days. God damn! And you have to be on stage. You got to be playing your drums in time. You got to be singing in tune. You got to be smiling in your interviews. You got to be charismatic. You got to be interesting, and. Then you have to nail all your sets. You have to be looking at every crowd and being like, is this working? Do I have to switch this up? How am I going to signal this to my bandmate out there that yeah. like, we're just going to totally change this right now? Um, you have to be on point with all your crew, your staff. You've got to be nice to everyone and friendly to everyone. Like, you've got to keep the energy high because everyone's tired. You know? mm -hmm. like, everyone can just, if someone gets put off, then everyone gets put off. It's a lot. And that's just like, that's like two weekends and a midweek of work. Like, it's... And then you got to be dealing with like your 60 staff that work for you around the world. Um, and you got to be producing and writing music. You got to be doing edits for those shows that you're doing right up until you go on stage, fixing anything up, touching things up. <coughs> you probably got to be turning in some records that have got to go out in two months time. Um, then you've got like things like friends and family, just j daily life stuff you got to deal with as well. That's like, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. And you have, I mean, I was talking to you about this today as well. I haven't had a home for five years. I just roam around the world. I'm on tour buses. I'm in Airbnbs. I got a couple of friends who let me crash at their places if I'm in certain continents. 
that's it. And you have to, you have to find home within yourself. You have to find a few simple comforts that make you feel normal wherever you are, no matter if you've had no sleep and you're totally jet lagged and you're really confused. You got to get shit done every single day. Mm. And, and it's not the stuff that people see that really takes up the time, you know? So, so what are those things for you? That's cause I mean, you got, you haven't had, you said haven't had a home in five years. Mm. Like, dude, I can't imagine not having a place to go back and, like, this is, like, my house. And So what are those things that I you love, look... I love as well. I'm just, like, here coughing my lungs up. I was like, sounds like you need a home. You need to go to sleep, dude. <laughs> I, like, I literally never Bro, get sick. Bro, you need to relax. I never get sick. <laughs> I just had this stupid cough for, like, the last week. It's so annoying. Yeah. So, yeah. So what are those things that kind of hold you down and keep you, like, grounded wherever you're going? So it used to be... It used to be coffee, avocado, eggs, and running. So I was a surfer growing up in Australia, loved the ocean, came over to America, suddenly got really depressed when I started touring. And I was like, why I feel so shitty? And it's because, oh, I'm not exercising. I'm not like out in a peaceful spot away from technology. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, I'm going to start running. So I started running. Um, That helped a lot. And then (coughs) I realized the routine of doing exercise... And then eating uh, a breakfast that was good for you that had some sort of, you know, common resemblance to what I might eat at home. And then drinking coffee tricked my brain into being like, this is my routine. I'm at home. It's 10 a.m. I feel great. Time to get on with work. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So it was just that simple. Eventually, it was that simple. I saw your breakfast this morning. I was taking that. I was like, damn. All right, healthy food, you know. Well, because you can't sustain. I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, how do you sustain that, you know? And you have to do things like pick healthy options. Yeah. For everybody wondering here, our, our squad, Sam Max squad, is just picking out. He's over here, got his nice veggie omelet, avocado. I'm like, all right, maybe <laughs> got to step my health game here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, particularly in America, the food's, food's pretty bad quality compared to a lot of places in the world. Really? They, yeah, the, the way. The regulation here is very deregulated. So what they grow to feed the animals that you eat, it's like just a long list of trash. Bad. I'm sure. It's like like if you looked into the corn regulation and corn syrup and everything that goes and on. And then how there. they're like feeding cows corn and stuff they're not supposed to or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And antibiotics, like they're yeah. all like. They, it's antibiotic, um, what is it called? I've forgotten the damn word now. <coughs> yeah, but the modified foods yeah. that are not meant to be fed to animals, being fed to animals who are also <laughs> given steroids and hormones and all kinds of things, usually through the food. And then they grow up really fast, really fat, and then you eat that. So it's like this whole step down of like, and then all the pesticides and all the, um, all the, what do they call them? Uh, hormones and things that are used on the crops in the first place yeah yeah so it's just a long list of like a lot of junk going into what you're eating so you got to be really careful about what you eat and then like try and like the producers are the unhealthiest motherfuckers man they'll sit in the room eat ramen and not get any exercise and then start feeling depressed i'm like bro get out go go play basketball go you know what i'm saying hit the gym for a little bit get some exercise going yeah that doesn't last long (laughs) yeah that, that just it makes you sluggish and then you can't do stuff. And like one of the most important things I've realized is 
you have to go and live life and you have to go and have fun. You got to work so hard. And if you want to fit that in as well, you got to cut something out. So I just cut out the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I like prime example. I had to go to Europe just to do three shows like the other week. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in one day early in Barcelona and I was like, okay, cool. I can lay in my hotel bed, really jet lagged, feeling mm-hmm. like shit, put a Netflix show on. Or since I was just in Nicaragua, I can just bring my bodyboard with me. And then I, as soon as I land in Barcelona, take a flight out to this island that I know has waves because there's this swell pattern I saw coming down from the north. Mm. And then I'm just going to go surfing in the Mediterranean for a day and do that for like four hours out in the sunshine, feeling freaking awesome, even though I've barely slept and I'm all jet lagged. Then I'm going to sleep like a baby that night, wake up, fly back to Barcelona and then do my show. So you just make choices like that. And then suddenly like, oh, wow, I'm just so jacked on life and amped. And then, of course, the next day I wrote an amazing song because I'd just gone and done something that gave me, you know, just this burst of energy and happiness. Not being like hungover. And then I've gone and done an amazing show that got me all... <coughs> got me all amped on music. And then I'm like, wow, I'm just, I'm just flowing right now. I'm ready, you mm-hmm. know? And then it all just comes out. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's amazing. I think a lot of people need to do more of that lifestyle stuff. Do you purposely... Because, like, dude, you're doing so many shows at this point... I know your schedule is probably pretty tight. Uh, do you purposely try to plan if you're in a certain city or a certain country to like spend an extra day there to go surf or something like that? I usually don't have time for an extra day. Damn. Um, so you need to make do with usually the day. So before the show. Yeah. Like today, like coming up here to pop this real quick before you go down and play. Exactly. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So you didn't get much time to sit down and just have a tea and look at the clouds for the day or something. No, you can do that too. There's you, always time. You have to squeeze it in. You'd be surprised how much time you have that you're wasting. Mm. So I have tried and I think done pretty well to forego scrolling on my phone. Mm. <coughs> I think people, I got friends that use those apps now to tell you how long you're like looking at phone. Usage apps? Yeah. There's a lot of people on their phones like eight hours a day. That's eight hours, man. You know how many things you can do in eight hours? I could go, I could fly to another country and go surfing and write a song in eight hours. And you sat there scrolling on your phone. Damn. You know what true. I mean? Like, yeah, no, 100%, man. And it's like always squeezing a studio session. If I'm in a city, like I did my show in Denver. It was like the first time we we're doing this whole new live show. Uh, my buddy, Quiet Bison, he was, he came to do the show there. I think it was his first ever show. And um, he was doing this We Can Be Friends remix for me. And he, he was like, we were rushing to get it out because we were about to go and cycle for another song. So like he just came to the hotel the next morning before I flew back to LA and we just jammed on it, like trying to come up with a few ideas just to touch it up and finish it off. Um, and like, that's what you got to do, man. It's just like, even if you're just meeting at a hotel with someone, just jamming on some ideas. And then like, I got so excited from that. I learned a bunch of new techniques. He did as well. <coughs> we just both came away from it, like feeling awesome. We had a song done. And then, you know, I get back to L.A., eat dinner, wake up, and then I'm just buzzing, and then I just make something for myself as well, like make a brand new song, and I'm just so amped on it. Yeah, no, that's fucking – I love that strategy, man. Yeah. It sounds like a sustainable strategy too because it also keeps you, like, good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, I just see a lot of – you know, I've had a lot of friends in the music industry. I'm sure you as well. Kind of get trapped in the t- t- party, you know, portion of it and yeah. get fucked up and stuff. And, I mean, it's hard to keep going when you're getting fucked up every other night. And I'm right here. I'm going to defend partying. 
Here which we might go. feel very strange. But I had a, I had a good friend kind of shake me out. I was being a bit stiff for a while. And it was good that I was – like I've gone in a lot of waves in my life. I've had, I've had periods in my life where I've partied way too hard, done way too many crazy things. And then I've gone like sober, totally sober for three years. And then I've delved back into it lightly and then gone totally sober again. <coughs> and then I think it's important to, to go through the waves. Like it's not like one is, one is bad and one is good. It's like they're all important. Mm. And the, the most important thing is you're not abusing whatever is around you or you're not taking for granted whatever is around you. Um, <coughs> and you need to go and live. You need to go and have fun. You need to go and you know get caught up in some drama and like and like those are the best songs you know yeah it's like you can't you can't just live in the party and then not like people go and live in the party and they just stay in the party it's like no no no. you gotta go live in the party and then you go and recluse and you capture what happened and that's art yeah it's really more of a feeling than it is a it's like specific you gotta idea be in this wild moment and then you gotta capture it and turn it into a message Make something important out of it. Otherwise, you just wasted your time. Mm. I think that's the most important thing. Do you think there's a, so a lot of a lot of producers in our community out there? They're not doing it full time yet. They're mm. almost, I would say, ninety nine percent of them either go to school or have a job. And, and a lot of people complain about they're not they don't have enough time to work on the projects. This, but you you're making it. I want you to. What do you think about those people? You think they still have plenty of time and that shouldn't be an excuse? You got plenty of time, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you, I did. I worked a full time job. I studied full time and I was DJing every weekend, staying up super late and producing. And it was fucking hard. Yeah. But I did it. And I did it till I was I did it till I was making like I was just making four hundred dollars a week off off DJing. <coughs> and that was enough. I was like, this is enough. I can quit my day job. Mm. I had a little bit saved up for my day job, making four hundred dollars a week, and that didn't last long, but it didn't matter. Because it's like, I know this is my moment. I've got just enough. This can sustain me. I'll probably be like this for like six months. And then I'm going to have to work something else out. But that's enough. And the second I could... <coughs> no, it's cool. You can, you can pop a cough drop in if you want to. Oh, I might have to. Yeah. No. Ugh. It's okay. We got a drinking game going on in the comments right now. Drink every time. <laughs> every time what's <Watson> not coughs. <laughs> sip a beer. Oh, man. Oh, that would be wild. But yeah, so you just got to get it to a point and even do it in bursts. Don't be like, it's going to be one way or the other. Like work a job, save up some cash, get, get some sort of side hustle going that makes good money with least amount of time. For me, that was DJ. It was like, <coughs> maybe for someone it's graphic design, maybe you're a good graphic designer and you can like, pump out something in one day that makes you two or 300 bucks. If you can do that, just do that two days a week and then spend five days a week on music. You know, I was a mascot when I was doing music. A you lot. were a mascot? Yeah. So I'd go to these, like, uh, it was for like a hospital in Atlanta called children's healthcare of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So I was the mascot. I showed up to events. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the reason I took that job is, and the reason I dropped out of school and I, but I just kept this one job is cause I only had to work two days a week. I show up for two hours. They pay me like a hundred something bucks. And I'm like, sweet. I got enough for gas and food. And That's keep, it, man. And, you know, right back on it, you know? That's it. you got to hack the system. That's yeah. what young people have to do. They have to work out something. They have to work out something that makes decent money quickly without much effort or with using your specialty skills that you've managed to harness by that age so that you don't 
get into the grind and you don't get into just being a cog in the wheel. Like you don't want to be sitting there on minimum wage doing something you hate that isn't developing you as a human. Yeah. And then that's, that's not good for anyone. And then your lifestyle getting to the point to where you have to work that job to support the house, apartment, yes. yeah. stupid shit you bought. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, no, I think that's, uh, if you want to be a creative and as well, man, you can try it out. <laughs> if it doesn't work, that's yeah. fine. Like, like you can, you can quit that job really go for it for six months and maybe it doesn't quite happen how you wanted it to. Maybe you go back to a job for six months and then you can like, Oh, I'm going to try it again. I got a new way. I think I got maybe some people around me. They're going to help manage me now and, and, and an agent or like I got this label opportunity. <coughs> Damn, that was a hefty one. Um, <laughs> They're getting worse. They are getting worse. It's because I'm talking so much. So like, yeah, yeah. it's like, Yo, dude, you have a sore throat. Like, Wait, I got a, I got a question. Like, uh, have, have you ever, I mean, because I think one similarity I see with a lot of successful people, I mean, especially in the music industry, you got to have the balls to take the leap, you know what I'm saying, and really try to go for that. Yeah. Uh, did you, were you ever, because I know a lot of people in our community is kind of like this, did, did doubt ever come to your mind? Or, or if it did, did you let it affect you your pursuit of your music career? So I actually worked a desk job for five years. Cool. While I was doing music and <coughs> while I was doing music behind the scenes. Um, and my whole life was so simple and normal. And like, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job. You know, like that's it. That's mm -hmm. what you do. That's the only thing you do. There's no other like, like art wasn't an option. Sports wasn't an option. Yeah. It was just... You know, it's, <coughs> it's funny. It's funny too because... Uh, it's a funny joke that people take loans to go to school and mm -hmm. they go to school to get a job and then they get the job to pay for the loans. Makes no fucking <laughs> sense. It's really true though. Yeah. It, the scary part is that's a really true analogy. And I just had this moment in my life. Like I said, I kind of built things to a point where I was like, oh, I can like just live off this art thing. Like right now if I leave this job. And it was like one way or the other. And it was, I broke every, everything that I'd been raised on, everything I thought I would ever do, just on this like gut feeling like, no, just go for it. Just give it a shot. I actually quit my job. I had this girlfriend for a long time um, and we broke up. And then went over to South America on this trip with my friends. And <coughs> when, I was, when I was on this trip, I was like, damn, Nothing I thought mattered in my small little world of where I grew up matters at all. Nobody here knows anything about me, cares about me, cares for anything back where I live. And I realized that my whole world, what I thought was my whole world, was this tiny, tiny, tiny little piece of the planet. And that there was so much more out there, that there were so much people better off, worse off, whatever. Like, I was like, wow. Everything that I thought was a big deal is so damn insignificant. And that's what gave me the confidence to just go for it. I was like, interesting. What does it matter? Like if I fail, what does it matter if it doesn't work? It's like, why not try? Why just sit in this thing that I know I can always go back to that will always be there. Cause it will always be there. Just being a cog in the wheel. If I want to be, you know, uh, you know, you know, it's a good podcast <laughs> when I, uh, I'm like mid podcast. I'm like, man, about Jordan, you're taking over cymatics. Drew can handle it. I'm just gonna go travel the world, surf, <laughs> make music on the road. 
You can do interviews on the well for sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm out. Out of the house. Out of Woodstock. I'm in this tiny little... (laughs) I like that little bubble, but yeah, I definitely... I I just got my passport for the first time, so I definitely haven't been... I haven't been outside of good old Georgia, you know, down here with Alabama folks coming in. That's pretty much all I... That was me. I came from Alabama last night. (laughs) Um, sweet, man. I, I like, I, I think a lot, there's a lot of takeaways here for, you know, people to think about more of their lifestyle, like, you know, how to set up your fucking life to make it, to set up your life, to make your music career successful. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I mean, it, dude, they're, they're not separate. It's like how you are to yourself and how you build yourself and how you, you take care of yourself is will become the direct product of what comes out of you. It's like simple mm. equation, you know? It's like how I am, what I'm choosing to do, how I think, how I feel, where I put my energy in my life will directly impact anything that I create because that is the source of the creation is me. Yeah. So you need to get that all in order. And then you'll have none of these problems that people always talk about. You'll have none of these writer's blocks. You'll have none of this... I'm just feeling, you know, all out of sorts and I can't do anything. It's like you learn how to get around all of that. You learn how to, you know, skip those weeks of or months or years for some people of like, oh, I'm just a bit lost. Mm-hmm. You go and find out where you need to go, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's, I think it's a huge takeaway. <coughs> for the record, guys, you need to watch this episode like four times and just crank this into your brain because I think it's something people could take away. Um, just a transition. I want to talk a little bit about fucking some hit records, man. Cause like okay. you've had some ones go off. You know, what's funny is that I had a big period where I was listening to music. I would say like when I was a producer for, mm-hmm. you know, years and I was like, you guys were a big inspiration for us, especially in the early days and stuff. And then there was a period where, you know, I went off, I kind of got in the business world a little bit and then I got back in like cymatics and we picked up speed and then revisiting during that time period, getting into your music. And I was like, holy shit, you had some tracks pop off, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, damn, like keeping it going. Like I, I would say at like a scale for electronic music producers that they struggle with. Cause EDM guys, they, they, they can't get numbers like the hip hop guys or they can, sometimes they can't get numbers like those other people, but you've kind of been like constantly having those bigger records. Um, and what I want to talk about is the, uh, the remix for Rufus Del Sol. Nice. That thing would be sick. Cause that thing was fucking nasty, bro. Yeah, I, I, I still listen to that song. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think one of the important things is I've I've never tried to go for numbers. I've never tried to go for radio. I've just only ever made something that I actually loved and that meant something. <coughs> <coughs> and that meant something to me. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not I'm not playing the game. I'm just to doing I'm your just thing. creating. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And usually, if you mean it, it does work. And it might not work in the same way that something that's heavily marketed and heavily curated works. It's like, I remember I put out the Divide and Conquer EP. And it, at first, it didn't actually stream that well. But then I was doing shows all through Europe, through Australia, through America, mm-hmm. through Asia. <coughs> and every show was like selling out. I'm like, Damn. this makes no sense. Like, I put out this thing and I love it, but the numbers aren't like extravagant whatsoever. But then everybody is like, chanting the riffs to the songs everybody is singing these weird little vocal bands and stuff that i've put in there Mm -hmm. and i just realized i was like oh i guess numbers aren't as important as people think they are it's more about just making something that you love and then people will find it and share it themselves you know yeah um and like 
the Rufus one was a perfect example. Uh, I I heard that song, I think like <coughs> on SoundCloud when SoundCloud was still a bit of a thing. Um, and I was just like, whoa, I love this. And I like ripped it off SoundCloud and then I just bootlegged it. And then it was just this idea. Um, <coughs> and I wasn't going to do anything with it. It was just like one of the hundreds, thousands of ideas I have on my computer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were, we had like a two hour Uber ride from uh, San Diego to San Bernardino to do this festival on New Year's. And I was just going through all these exports <coughs> that were in my computer of like just a bunch of random different ideas. I was like going through to show to my managers like, oh, here's some stuff I've been working on. Mm-hmm. And then this Rufus boot, uh, Inner Bloom bootleg comes on and everyone in the car was sort of like, gravity each other like, yo, what is this? What is this? What is this? <laughs> I'm like, ah, just some thing. Like, no, 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 you have to play this tonight. I'm like, I can't play this tonight. It's like I wrote this sitting on a bed in like an hour. Like <laughs> it only went for a minute and a half. I'm like, no, no, you have to play tonight. I'm like, all right. So I just like grabbed like one section, threw it on the end of the minute and a half I had, threw like a shaker percussion loop and then uh, just some tribally little drums and then flew the kick and the snare over and then just repeated the first bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the end of that, like did a little build up or something. And I played it and then it got, <coughs> someone like ripped it on their iPhone, went up on YouTube, started getting like tens of thousands of views in like the first day or two or something. Um, and I know the Rufus guys. I've known them for years and years and years. We used to like all hang out in Sydney and um, go to each other's shows. And um, and I was like, oh, can you send me the stems? Like, can we put this out or something? Um, and then they sent me stems that I didn't even really use them. I still just... Use the, the, the session is like, it's just the master. And I swapped it out for the WAV because they gave me the WAV. Um, and the only stem I used was like, I got part of the acapella and then bent it around a little bit in mm-hmm. the second build up and that's it. And the rest of it's like literally just the whole song with like my production on top. Yeah. yeah. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, first off, that record is fucking popping. It's big, really big track and we're actually going to break it down probably. Yeah. Because that's the one we're going to break down. How'd you do the, you want to talk a little bit about the drop? Because that's really where you spiced it up, you know, because <laughs> it's this epic long build up from the, you know, from the original and then yeah. you, you come in out of nowhere with the fucking heavy sense. One of the cool things, <laughs> one of the tricks to it was the drop is obviously like very crunched and compressed, but the buildup comes down like a full five dB, which is almost half volume. So it's when that drop comes in, it doubles in volume. Oh, you just purposely lowered it. Yeah, but it's it's such a beautiful moment and it's so simple that that breakdown, you don't notice that it's become quieter and it slowly mm. gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And then when the drop comes in, it just sounds massive. But it was like, I don't know that I, I just used some drums that I really liked. Um, the synth sound was cool. It was like a, <coughs> I think it was actually like a, I think it was like a xylophone or a glockenspiel, but I took the attack off it and then put some erosion on. So it had some white noise and then just heavily saturated it. So it became this like hollow square wave kind of yeah. sort of sound instead of being like a dog. Does that, does that go off live? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I bet oh, it yeah. does. Because I, I see that record, people probably go nuts. And the drop was like the intro to the song is this. Um, uh, it's called a Dilruba. It's like an Indian violin. Mm-hmm. And I made this little riff. Um, and then I just the drop was like um, sort of a, a different voicing of the chords with a little melody. And then the response is just the the violin that I had at the start. 
Yeah. And I like that idea because I remember when I was making that, I was like, okay, cool. The drums are really big, but they're still organic. This synth is like kind of like in your face and harsh. And I remember when we were mixing it, um, the engineer I was working with like really cleaned it up, made it super wide and like <coughs> made it like really clean. I was like, you know what? I liked it when it was dirty, when it was super phasey and like crunchy and like mm-hmm. in the wrong space. I ended up keeping that. But then I was like, okay, because it's like that, it needs to have something organic. And that was why I liked the response wasn't another big EDM synth of sorts. It was like this beautiful little violin sound and the violin acted as a counter melody. And then the lower part of the chords are still playing underneath. Oh yeah. No, and I'm, I'm also the rhythm switched up. I think the, the percussion, different percussion came in and the kick drum pattern changed. Yeah. I got to, I'm excited for that breakdown. I nice. think people are going to love it. Um, dude, you're, you, I can't wait to, I'm going to get you Viper when we're done with it, that new project. Mm-hmm. But like, if you like working with like some of those organic sounds, like dude, Drew has had, I'm telling you everybody. You've been telling me about this today. Weird. I've been, I've been like, I'm going to show you the, get those packs? dude, I'm going to show you that. Cause it's over, it's over 5,000. It's over 5,000 like recordings. It's like essentially like session recordings from every type of musician you could think of. Wow. I'm literally going to bring you up the videos of the, the, the craziest that guy with the donkey. It's a, literally a giant jawbone of a donkey. And I guess they find these uh, carcasses out in the, the, the desert. So yeah. you can find one. They'll take the jaw and they'll turn it to like a shaker. But like, that's the weird shit this dude was bringing, you know. And then it, like he was just a percussion guy. Like the harpist girl came in, did some like harps. Mm-hmm. And then like imagine every type. It's like, a, it's like, like I said, like an omnisphere almost, mm. but in more of like a sample library form, you know, so versus not having the rompler. I think we're going to do the, the create something like a, a, a rompler of some sort. At a certain point, but just from your production, you probably go off with it. Yeah, I love, I love playing with like different textures and sounds, particularly with like different cultures that aren't as commonly in music. Mm-hmm. Like I love uh, Middle Eastern melodies, man. I got, I got some records that I found like world records and stuff, and they use it's it's like all it's its own key. It's not Western keys. It's all different, and it's like I got this one thing. It's like a sheepskin bagpipe. Mm. It's just got this droning low note and then these melodies over the top. And like, it's just so beautiful and challenging. Interesting. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about your record to do? Cause that's easily my probably <laughs> favorite. I've listened to that shit. Probably. I, I contributed to 10% of the streams on that <laughs> I track. Love that. Like where's the vocal from? Uh, it's Kimbra. It's what? Kimbra. Who, What's that? She's a, uh, cause it's just barely like a chop out of it, but yeah. So that was a off cut of Montreal which was also a record on that EP. Uh-huh. So I made a due the day the EP had to be handed in. Um, <coughs> it was just like an off-cut version of Montreal. I was like, damn, this thing's kind of cool and wonky and nice. So I just like spruced it up a bit. And I loved the melody. The melody chop was like, she just did all these oohs and ahs uh-huh. and I just chopped it into that melody. And then, um, yeah, just had these really nice wonky synths. It was like, kind of mixed really badly but in a good way like yeah you know no, what i mean I, like it's just it's all so wrong but just feels good yeah, yeah. um of, and yeah i just put that together the day the ep was due and that turned out to be the most streamed record like by far of that whole ep that's crazy my only qualm is it's only like what minute something it's like a minute and a half but that's like, why that's like why you keep playing it yeah because no. you're like, like you oh, motherfucker. I, I, hear that again. I actually just saw earlier when we were talking about it i was like youtubing it and there's like two hour you know those two hour mixes or four hour four hours of this one song that people listen to nowadays what did someone do that to that song? Oh yeah, someone did that song. <laughs> that's <was> funny. <laughs> yeah, I was looking. I love that. That's great. Yeah, I was looking at it and I thought that was that was kind of good. That's hey, so nice. Yeah. Hey, hey Jordan, how are we running on time? 
Oh, dude, this is this is a saucy this is a saucy podcast, man. Yeah. This oh gonna my be- god, are they playing the coughing drinking game? <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there's always something. F- there's always funny shit that goes down in the comments. Like sometimes there's like so this isn't as bad, but if we have like we had like Bonnie and Clyde, so there's like four of us, and there's just sometimes some funny interaction I that love gets. Those two. Those yeah, are great. yeah, no, they're awesome, and there's sometimes there's like funny interaction that's just caught, you know, or something goofy. Uh, yeah. One time it was an episode that didn't make it, but it was hilarious because Drew's sitting back, he's like leaning back, and he's got this button up on, but at the end of the button up, his like it's unbuttoned in the last one, so like. 20 minutes in his podcast, I finally look over. I'm like, bro, I got to stop real quick. I was like, your belly button's out. <laughs> <laughs> it was too funny. We just, it, that one got scratched. We never released it. But funny shit happens behind the scenes. Uh, fucking, especially when we smoke weed and then we get high. And I'm just like, okay. Then it's, I start talking way too much when I get fucking, you know, a little ripped on the podcast. Mm. Um, Dude, so, oh, have you, uh, so with what's so not, there was a moment where you were releasing under your just name, right? Yeah, I was, I was always doing that. Um, I was always putting out music like bootlegs and stuff, and then I did, <coughs> I did one AP just by myself. Um, one of the songs actually did pretty well on that. I remember like, what was it? I remember Diplo did something with it that was really cool. Like he started doing something, and my one, my song was one of the first songs he put in the, a list or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was also like really doing the legwork for What's So Not by myself for the better part of three years as well, even when it was still a duo. So it was like, it was hard to do both projects, particularly once I took it on I'm sure, by man. myself. I was like, well, there's no point doing this thing because this is What's So Not's all me now anyway. So like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it all for that. Um, and it was so exciting, like having like a rebirth and just being able to finally creatively just everything that I thought of and envisioned do and like I could like put money behind it it's like we built that that crazy I don't know if you ever saw the peacock horse monster truck I built for Coachella no I did not see that we toured America with and brought over to Australia and was like come up with these ideas actually build it actually put it on stage and then it's all just happening and like all the show visuals that we started building with um this group babe cool in Australia Mm -hmm. and it became like a world Finally, it wasn't just like this project that had some songs that people liked on SoundCloud and the DJ set was fun. It was like this whole experience that you like walk into when you come to like a proper live show. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing. Is there any, uh, so what are some of your go-to plugins? Uh, what's some of your go-to plugins for just production in general? Like your top three. Um, <clears throat> this is kind of generic, but <coughs> you really can't go wrong with the power of serum. You have to be careful. Serum sounds like serum. I know what you're saying. So use it wisely. Like, use it for maybe your lead sound and maybe to get a bit of body and width. Like, if you're detuning some soul waves or square waves or something, just to get some thickness. Um, um, I love sound toys. Uh, I love waves. Um, Simplant is so great for the, the randomness. Um, <coughs> Another big one, though, man, is, like, I use Ableton. The stock in Ableton now is crazy. Like, that echo, the drum bass, uh, the wavetabling. Um, Quiet Bison was just showing me the, the granulator packs. Like, this shit is unbelievable. I worked with um, William, or Tech Genesis he's called now. Have you heard of him? 
Uh-huh. This guy from Australia, man, he's, he's got this crazy album that's about to come out. It's so good. Um, like, one thing I realized, all these young, young producers, they don't have money. So they can't buy stuff. So they don't have all the fancy plugins. So they got freeware, they've got, and then they're just using the stock gear. And they're making the craziest shit with it, man. Dude, there's so many good veteran producers out there. And I'm just like, wow, you guys just, like, hacked the system. You're like, oh, I can't afford this thing, so I found this freeware thing that kind of sounds similar, a little grittier and grainier. And that's like, well, that's perfect. That's like a cool Sounds better sometimes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you, like, dude, the stock stuff in Ableton now is crazy. I love it. And, like, once you build your knowledge of how everything works, you can you can have a, so much more control and kind of do what all that expensive stuff does like just by yourself. You know? Yeah. No, dope. Um, sweet. So I want to do two things. One, I have some interesting questions I want to ask you. Like if you had 500 bucks, a laptop and a set of 10 songs, what are you going to do in the next 30 days? If I had 500 bucks, a not laptop. yet, not yet, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Cause that's a saucy question. People like to hear cause, cause okay. they're in that boat usually, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, I want to ask you a couple more production questions, tips and stuff. Uh, but I'm going to save that because we do a, a Spotify, SoundCloud, audio, like Apple only. Mm-hmm. So that means they go from YouTube and they got to go check out <coughs> other platforms. Okay. Uh, but I want to end it with, or at least a YouTube version with two different things. So the first thing is, uh, is there anything upcoming you want the whole crowd to know like know about or do anything? Like where do you want the Semantics audience to go after this? Ooh. Um, where do they go? What are they, what are you, where are they, they going to go check out your music, shows? I mean, check out the music. That's pretty quick and easy. Um, shows, I'm doing these really big shows in Australian New Year's. But then I'm kind of, this is kind of the announcement of this, actually. I'm actually taking a whole lot of time off. Um, I'm starting a new project with a friend. Um, and I'm working on my next album. Sick. Um, and I've got, I've got a new sound I've found that I'm so excited about. And it's it's like the evolution of What's So Not. It's like in a new spot. And I spent the whole year experimenting with different ideas, trying a few different genres I'd never really dabbled in before, traveling around the world, going into like <clears throat> little 300 head venues with friends in local towns, like showing me some cool local dude and listening to what they're doing. Um, and I've kind of got this, this new thing and I'm so psyched on it. And uh, I'm gonna be putting that together and then that is going to be coming, um, starting to come out sometime next year. Fuck yeah. So be on the lookout. Also, we are <laughs> going to do a, uh, a full music production workshop where he's going to be breaking down. Um, it looks like we're going to do that Rufus Del Soul remix we're talking about. Um, yeah, they're going to do that one. Yeah, that would be sweet. Also, like, dude, a lot of people could bootleg stuff easy, you know? Yeah. And, and I still think there's huge attention arbitrage. I know that some people are doing takedowns and stuff, but there's still a lot of labels that don't give a fuck if you remix their tracks or artists. Honestly, as an artist, someone wants to bootleg my song, Please go for it. Yeah. Like, do it. Exactly. Make something cool with it and send it to me. Yeah. Like, if I, I love when people, like, I don't have the time to edit all my own songs. Um, I will sometimes, but usually I just like to make a new song. So, like, if someone gives life, new life to something I've made, I'm so thankful. Do you like when you hear an old record that's just randomly, like, someone made a banger remix (laughs) out of it? Yeah. Like, all the time, kids send me stuff they made. And I'm like, dude, thank you. This is so good. This is like the song I made, which I loved, which was like maybe a little softer. And you did this hyped up version that works perfect for DJ sets or at the very least perfect for DJ sets in certain countries where I got to play a little harder. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Secret trick, guys. Post something on Instagram, probably tag 
you'd be surprised how many people see this just that they're tagged in. We see it. Yeah, I see, see it. I, my accounts. Yeah, we got we got a lot of interaction, and well, you'll someone still... tells me about it. Yeah. Or like a friend starts playing, they're like, "You should check this out. This is tied to." Or get your get your get your fans to, to tag as well. That works too. Like last night, I was listening to the the tonight um, uh, essential mix, <coughs> and I was listening to it because a friend from Germany texted me. He's like, "Yo, they're playing some crazy remix of Beautiful on the tonight." And I was like, "What, really?" And I get on there, and I'm like, "What is this? I don't even know who did this. Is this like tonight? Yeah. Did this or there's someone sent this to them?" No, that's fucking fire. Yeah. Um, sweet. Yeah. So we're gonna do that workshop. Uh, go check them out. And then if you guys want to listen to the rest of this, we're going to be asking a couple more saucy questions. Uh, oh, one more thing. Almost fucking forgot. Almost forgot. Uh, as always, we're doing a quick little giveaway. Uh, this is just something we do at the end of the episode. We're giving away five $100 Simax gift cards. All you got to do is comment your favorite moment of this podcast, and it would help us if you timestamp it. Um, yeah, we'd really appreciate that. We'd like to, A, get feedback, seeing what you guys actually liked about the show, the types of questions you like different uh, moments that maybe we can get out of future episodes and stuff. Also, when you timestamp it, it helps us. We grab those clips for Instagram, and we get to go post them up pretty easy. Fantastic. Get the community to help out. But anyways, go check out the rest of this on Spotify, which starts now. Okay, we're on Spotify. Oh, we're on Spotify. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple now. So now we can, like, misbehave on the cameras because... (laughs) Yeah, now you can do. No, because, well, some of these still get grabbed for Instagram, so we are still rolling. But, um... (laughs) Start taking all my clothes off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, what about uh, secrets for secrets, techniques, whatever? Uh, best practices for like, w- what took your mix to the next level specifically? Because you got a you got a big sound, but I've also heard, <laughs> I've also heard a lot of different style mixing from you. Like, it's not always a typical like super clean pop sounding stuff. Like some stuff that's very like grungy almost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, what what are some tips you've had for like evolving your mix and getting it to that? professional level i've gone through many stages and sometimes i've used mix engineers sometimes i just mix something myself um some of the biggest things is i think i used to put too much into songs and that might not only be too much sonically but also too many ideas um Mm. a lot of amazing songwriters have told me just have confidence in what you did don't cloud it with more brilliant ideas just like this one is that's the one Let's put that forward in the mix. Let's not make it too gritty and dirty and, and disguise what it is. That's it. That's the hook right there. Mm-hmm. Put that up the front and let it be. And then have that talk to this other little thing over here. And then have that one responded to by this. And then repeat. And then have variation. And that's it. Like really simple. Keep it simple. You know? <clears throat> as well as that, like, um, I was really just going to hang out with the, sl- the Slumberjack guys. They were explaining to me the, the extreme importance of transients in drums and how those knocks like are the pulse and the energy and, and the heartbeat of, of the records. Um, also hanging out with Noisier about how important subtle rhythms are in your songs. So like you have your foreground, foreground kick, snare, hi-hats um, and maybe a little piece of percussion but then <coughs> deep in the background is like this percussion sound that you've totally... Uh, high passed and put a, an erosion on and then panned like crazy and it's just this like frantic white noise that's moving around from side to side like creating all this hype and energy it's like a, a, a sort of secret rhythm within the song mm-hmm. um, as well as that it's like pick the sounds that you want to be dirty and pick the sounds that you want to be clean um, maybe you have a, a lead sound that's <coughs> that's modulating it with a bit of pitch and has some noise on it 
but then <coughs> they're still drinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But then for a support, you've got this like really simple saw wave that's detuned, and it's got like some harmonies in it, and so like there's like a seventh or a fourth or something like that. So you've got your lead sound that's the dirty thing, and then you've got the support and the weight behind it that's just this detuned saw wave. And that's how you get a lot of power in it. And also, like, if you've got a lead sound that's a piece of percussion that's kind of more transient-based and just knocking, um, <coughs> have that followed with a sub. So you've got this percussion sound that's... Something like that. Mm-hmm. And you have a sub underneath it that knocks along with it. And then suddenly it's, like, gone from just being the sound to this big energy push. And then you kick in the drums work around that with whatever rhythm it may be. Yeah, no, I think that that'd be awesome. Um, oh yes, and also, don't be scared to go narrow and mono. Everyone thinks to be loud, everything has to be wide all the time. Is totally incorrect. It is much better if you have stereo dynamic. If you are having moments where everything comes into the center, <coughs> and then suddenly bursts out wide just for a little moment of your chorus goes back to a groove that's mainly centered, but like maybe just the hat's going to the side and then a big sound like pushes all the way out of the sides. That is going to feel so much bigger than just this brick wall kind could, of thing. Could you say some specifics on that? Because I think that's a really interesting insight, like um, specific sounds that you would place more mono versus more stereo. So say say like a Fisher song. We'll take a Fisher song. It's a really good example. On his drop, he'll have this riff that's like a really big, aggressive noise, but it's house music. So that big aggressive noise happens for like a second and a half. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and then it cuts into the, like this, this funky little groove, just some percussion and a bass line and maybe like a hi-hat. And then the turnaround comes to the next, uh, the end of those four bars or whatever. And there's another big noise. It just like pushes all out to the sides, all loud and crazy. And then just goes back to this little groove. It's mainly in the center. And then this little vocal chop that's happening. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how you make it feel huge space i like that i think there's a lot to uh <coughs> take away from that for sure um okay now i want to ask you that question you got 500 dollars. Mm-hmm. you got a, la- a working laptop obviously you can make music on mm-hmm. and you got 10 tracks that you feel good about you're like okay these are awesome but you haven't released them yet but you're in a you're now in a world where nobody knows who the fuck what's so not is mm-hmm. you don't have any connections in the music industry you have nothing but that five hundred dollars a laptop and uh those 10 tracks what is your next 30 days look like for building your project damn man put you on the spot <laughs> it's a tricky one <clears throat> i'd probably take that five hundred dollars out of music and flip it some other way make a bunch more money since i'm already happy with the tracks <laughs> 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 and then i'd have a bunch more money and I'd also take those 30 days to go into a bunch of meetings and meet with some agents and managers. Um, I would find somebody that does stem mix downs. So they would do <coughs> a very cheap version of a mix down. Um, sorry, stem mastering. Mm-hmm. Stem mastering. So they would do a very cheap version of mastering that still involves uh, precisely building all the sounds from more of a ground level and putting them all together again. Um, <coughs> damn, we've got one month. What else are we going to do? So you, are you putting you out music or no? You just more focus on the pitching and the perfecting. Well, like 
I'm happy with the songs, right? Mm -hmm. I'm happy with the 10 songs. And I'm just going to like refine the songs with some mastering, maybe a little bit of mixing. And then I've got to get it out to the world. That's the most important thing. The world's got to hear it. How is the world going to hear it? What am I going to do? I'm going to probably put some marketing in somewhere. Um, maybe I do a crazy stunt with my homies. Maybe we go and like shoot some wild content, some videos. Um, maybe, yeah, make some crazy stunts. You got to do stuff outside of music these days for like people to pay attention to music, especially if you're just starting. Like you just got to do some wild shit. Dude, that's what we scream to our audience about content. I'm like, dude, content is, it doesn't matter. It's like the gateway drug to your music project. You know what I'm and saying? don't, like, content is a dirty word. But you can you can be artistic with it, you know? It can be cool as fuck. It can be fun. Yeah, it can be fun. It can just be you and your homies doing what you and your homies do that's hilarious and amazing, and then your song's the backing track. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, for example, there's a lot of people... <coughs> Who are not going to find out about what's so not through his music. They're actually just going to listen to this when we send it out to all our people and they're going to hear a conversation. And then that piece of content about a conversation is actually inspiring. The, you know, then they leapfrog over. There's a thousand variations of this, but even this right here is a convo version, you know? Yeah. 100%. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. Well, um, I think that's a wrap. That was a great. Jordan, what, what was the time on this one? Uh, hour and a half of fucking gold right here. Listen to this thing 10 times. This might be up there top top three maybe even the best episode yet i'm trying to think oh, damn this is definitely one of the top episode yeah. i think practicality wise like like for somebody to, to listen to this walk away saying like did i learn something that's going to help me with the artist career i would say for damn sure all right i think drew would only be here for this one too bad he's just working on the he's got Sorry, a lot of drew. studio session yeah <laughs> but anyways sweet that's a wrap boom all right Dude, oh my god i got through it we're good fucking yeah <laughs> i thought it was almost funny at a certain point i'm like yeah, yeah, right. just, it was just like, you need real info.